Would you prefer threat mechanics to be a part of combat initiation or throughout the entire duration of combat? Um, I don't know if I'm going to say save the best for last, but I got a big, big, big rant on this. So I'm going to let you guys jump in since you're like not raising your hand like you're, you know, yeah. it's going in and get your lackluster conversation out there. Just kidding. And then I'll jump in what? on. <laughs> okay, that's dark overlord that, shit. No, it's not, right it's not dark overlord stuff. Is. Don't clip that. Please don't clip it. I'm not being. Uh, uh, yeah, I oh, I swear that wasn't planned. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back your Ashen Herald, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also welcome back everyone's favorite cult leader, Armored Cell. Hello, hello. So you're wearing your uh, your dark overlord uh, garment today. When am I not wearing it? This is this is this is what I'm dressed for the job I've got. All right. It's not really an answer this I'm prepared to provide on stream, but with that being said, homies, welcome in for episode 207 today. We're going to be picking up where we talked about last week on the Q and A portion from the last developer live stream at the end of 2022. It will tie in perfectly to the dev discussion today. But before we dig in, I want to give a big shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for all things ashes of creation. Also a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters over here on Twitch, over at YouTube. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Uh, speaking of this week, if you want to show us some love, as I always say, you can go over to our pin post on our Twitter, which is at Ash as Pathfinder on Twitter. Check out the pin post. Podcast places are listed. You'll see one specifically for iTunes. Really love to get those ratings up a little higher. And if you give us five stars, leave us a review comment to the cast here and to your fellow Pathfinders. We will read that live here on the show. Um, let's see. Knights of the Phoenix are guild for Ashes of Creation and all things community here and beyond. Uh, we are recruiting. If you're interested, DM me on Discord. Speaking of that, you can uh, join that. If you're here in chat on Twitch, exclamation Discord. And if you're not, discord.gg forward slash Samorg. And uh, with that being said, I do have to shout out my Radiant Core member, Zod, who supports this channel, all the content here, including this podcast, all of the members on the YouTube channels, and to all of the Kofi supporters. Speaking of which, you can exclamation Kofi in chat if you want to check it out, support this and all other endeavors. Boom. Okay, we're good. Uh, we had a fun discussion last week, gentlemen, but before we dig in on, on continuing that conversation, moving forward today, we're going to be talking about the Defender. What's that mean? It'll make a lot of sense shortly, but let's catch up with our homies, our fellow Pathfinders, and please don't be shy in chat. Feel free to catch up and let us know how you've been doing since last time. Gentlemen, no particular order. Why don't you jump on in? Let's fill it in. Uh, doing all right. Yeah, I did. Um, did community night was pretty fun. Uh, Friday, we yeah. did uh, Paragon the Overprime, and I 
mm-hmm. reinforce how bad I am at MOBAs. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you getting even drunk worse is great. when I had a few cocktails. <laughs> no, I disagree. It was even more entertaining when you've had a few cocktails. It was entertaining, yes, but I I don't think I I um I would say help the team succeed in their endeavors. <laughs> I mean, to, yeah, it was okay, man. It was a lot of joy for me to listen to you. It was it was a lot of fun, and everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I expect so. Um, I I'd really cringe to see the VOD now at this point, but uh, also mm. I've been like um, getting a little sweaty try hard with God of War Ragnarok. Tasty. I, a couple of uh, I, after after seeing uh, you play God of War, I oh. really decided to like kind of double down and do a little more God of War Ragnarok, and it was it was fun, but. There was definitely some frustrating moments where mm-hmm. words were said, mistakes were made. So, <laughs> <laughs> dude, oh man, dude, yeah, I'll catch you all up on my bet. What about you, Armored Cell? Uh, me and my mate's been playing a bit of uh, Celesta. Oh, it's like a so yeah. it's it's pretty good. It's 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 like um it's similar to like Divinity, except it's based on the Fifi Five E um yep yep rule set yeah so he, he's got he's running four party members he's running mm-hmm. a a wizard and a warrior nice and i'll and i'm running a bard and a monk the monk is uh named jenny <laughs> and really? she is a halfling okay. a little mohawk and she is fucking badass like yeah it's meant to be like this legendary creature that just popped up some fucking lizard person really <laughs> and uh he's like oh man this is gonna be tough and she is literally one like one round just takes them out. I was like, oh, fuck. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Jeez. monks are good. Monks are fucking great. That's cool. Yeah, I played that game back when it was in, like, I want to say it was very early access stages. Played it for a little bit and, like, kind of checked it out. I actually enjoyed that game. I thought it was pretty good. I think they were still working on some of the things that they've fixed already now. But I think we had some people in our community. I think maybe brown rice, maybe a loud sound. And uh, I saw somebody else in Discord earlier. I think they were playing that um so that's cool and i knew they were talking about playing that too so it was pretty pretty good game but yeah it's, yeah. it's super good bro i got on uh, the uh the christmas sale nice. was like 50 percent off something that's it's awesome great. man dude i've been just like i kind of made a dedication for myself in terms of like i don't know if i'm gonna say i guess yeah content right in terms of what i'm doing just really changing it up and trying to expand and do a lot of the things that i just really enjoy and really kind of like digging into more of that, I guess, more openly. Like, so some of that's like, I think last Wednesday, I had a massive conversation about like Atlantis, looked at the research, right? The Younger Dryas event, if you're familiar with any of that stuff. And it was really cool because some of the people that have been around a long time were like, oh man, didn't have any idea you're into stuff. I'm like, dude, I've been into this shit since like I was in high school, right? Like these like ancient wonders of the of the world and trying to get an idea about, um, you know, just like, well, was it, did it, was it real? Does it exist? Like things like astrophysics. I started doing that. And then like Thursday, we didn't do the LFM, right? But we're going to be doing that this week coming up. So the LFM podcast, right? Um, veering towards episode 100. Actually, we're not far off, but uh, it's currently just Daedalus and I doing that. If anybody is interested in just joining, we are always looking for more. It's on 5 p.m. Uh, well, it's here on this channel and goes up in podcast places as well, but just like this show does. But uh, Thursday is at 5 p.m. Central. Um, so if you're interested, you can stop by. If you want to join, um, feel free to hit me up too. We hit on a lot of topics. And um, last week, though, since we're doing that every two weeks now, um, I did God of War gameplay. And I've, I saw that it was on sale for like the 
29 bucks or whatever. And I was like, oh man, sweet dude. So um, the main reason I'd waited to play it because I played a lot of God of War games back in the day, like all of them really. I even played the PSP one because um, God, they're such a good games. They're so good. Um, they're up there. God of War is up there with like Prince of Persia games for me. I just absolutely love it. I know it's not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's um, a modified mythology to fit like an alternate storyline uh, that's Kratos and everything. But I've always loved it. It's always a good time. And God bless dude. These new ones, that new one I get, they ported it over to PC because I don't have a PlayStation. So I was like, all right, cool. Got it. Jumped on, played. I think I was in there for like four or five hours or something. Oh man, just as good as it always has been. I just loved it so much. It was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. I'm, I'm like doing that. I think Friday we did like a, you know, um, what was it uh, Paragon, the um, the Overprime one of it's very interesting with that game, game though because if anybody remembers Paragon was done by Epic Games when Epic was like also doing Fortnite at the time they basically just doubled down went all in on Fortnite um, did us all to the people that were playing Paragon or purchased in Paragon refunded them their money um, basically turned all those assets into free um, if you're using Unreal developers you can literally go and download those assets and you know it's been gone for like what five years or something almost now and it, it basically sprouted back up you've got one company making a game called predecessor you got uh paragon the overprime they're a little different but we played that one and uh yeah maybe we should have been doing ai battles for testing characters but we did real matches and got a little sweaty had a i mean it was a good time man honestly it was a good community day it was a bit of an unexpected one but i've just really been enjoying sort of like changing things up you know, now. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been doing. And I pretty much plan to do that all year, just changing it up, doing stuff. But, you know, I think I've got backlogs of games that I'm like, you know, I can just go through and play some of these games this year and and have fun with people watching me cringe and get wrecked. And yeah, people were definitely enjoying some of that. But you, you see how much I like a good story, though, because I just get sucked in, dude, when I'm playing that game. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing some more of that. It's just feels good man you know it just feels good um yeah. so it's been nice to sort of change it up and have something different to do and i think i'm just going to keep it this that way you know for even the community days so everyone's welcome to join us on community days uh it's on fridays um we do that usually somewhere around 2 p.m central and uh whenever but god man i'm like i'm itching to get back in that game i just have my time i'm like oh oh and i dedicated to only doing it when i go live too and so i'm just itching i'm like nope you gotta wait you gotta wait and i'm like damn it but coming up wednesday i think yes yes wednesday maybe some thursday ah i'm ready to do it again but yeah uh yeah, stories that story's definitely good like, that's why i'm still waiting for um then that oh was it is it the um what's the one that's only in access is it the, the new divinity is it or no it's i don't know what it's called it's like in early access and i've only got like a quarter of the parts done for it so oh, far Baldur's, oh, Baldur's Gate that's huh? the one yeah made yeah, by the same company one. though yeah. yeah 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 I'm waiting for that one to be complete before I play it because I don't want to be like start and then stop I'm not that one I, I want to just grind for I it, the whole yeah. thing I, I felt like that I played it like the first time that we were able to jump in and do it I think yeah. I played a few different playthroughs with different people and then I was like man I don't want to I don't want to like keep doing this because I I want to wait. I want to feel good about jumping in and, yep. and it feeling new, brand new. I don't want to know yep. it all. So I'm going to wait. I'm waiting until it's yeah. done, done. And then yeah. I'll. Don't tease me. Don't tease me. Just give me the whole thing, please. Yeah. That's, that's, 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to play the first quarter. I'll wait till it's fully released. Yeah, and then I'll, yeah. then I'll play it nonstop till it's till it's over. Yeah, I was like, don't don't tease me if you can't please me. It's like, oh well, we can please you for the first quarter, and there's alternate yeah. ways to play it, different story. I'm like, right, but I ain't trying to burn all that out to where I yeah. dread the first quarter again, right? Like, yeah, uh, I don't want to do this. I know what he's gonna say, where we're gonna go. It's not gonna feel new, exciting. It's like it's been done too many times. Yeah. So yeah, I'm chilling, but man, it's good, man. It's a good time. There's lots of cool games that are coming out. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of new ones, a lot of, th- I mean, ashes of creation, which is what this podcast is all about is, uh, I mean, we're probably getting alpha two. I'm, I'm still speculating around, around summer or whatever. So that's going to be so freaking exciting when that drops, man. And we're going to have it for a while too. That's the beauty of it. Right. Uh, so it's going to be so good to jump in there with some of the KOTP fam and, and people in the community here and just like go on adventures uh hogwarts yeah that one's going to be a fun one too um so I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well so we got some things to keep us going until you know ashes gets to alpha luckily right um speaking of ashes we've got the q a component to combat to talk about right and the developers the good old the old good old developers over there at intrepid studios they dropped this one right here i'm gonna link it to you all in chat and this is over on the forums. You can check it out. But uh, yeah, it's it's the dev discussion number 47 on tanking. Specifically, though, in this dev discussion, they're talking about threat, threat mitigation. That's an interesting topic. I already thought about this before we we were going to have the show. And I was like, I already know exactly what one of my points is going to be with references to two other games. So it's going to be fun. But why don't we jump into the dev discussion? I thought this is a perfect topic to get started on something specific that segues into those Q&A points from the dev stream and sort of where we're going to bounce around in discussion around those, you know, expanded elements. So why don't we just jump on into the dev discussion? There it is in chat. The dev discussion states for people who prefer to play the tanking role, raise your hand real quick. If you prefer playing tanking roles, um, that's just me. It's fine. I'm used to being alone. Do you enjoy holding threat as a prevalent part of combat? Would you prefer threat mechanics to be a part of combat initiation or throughout the entire duration of combat? Um, I don't know if I'm going to say save the best for last, but I got a big, big big rant on this so i'm gonna let you guys jump in since you're like not raising your hand like you're you know yeah. it's going and get your lackluster conversation out there just kidding and then i'll jump in on don't clip that please don't clip it i'm not being uh uh yeah, i didn't excuse uh, 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 oh i yeah, swear that wasn't planned or uh i mean yeah, it's yeah. not is it like <laughs> someone if it wasn't go? planned then it's a natural occurrence no it's not a natural that. oh no uh please somebody talk one of you guys you need to share your non-lackluster All conversation right. oh, okay well well oh, just no. because i don't prefer to play i'm not exposed you, you you're very exposed no you're in the light now see you can't I'm, scurry into the dark I'm, I'm, there's no darkness or anything around here your your the light is shown upon you. Um so I, I haven't I would say as a main um played a tank. I have done gameplay as a tank. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, along with the healing 
side, which I've probably done more healing than I've done tanking. Yeah. Very stressful for me to do that. Um, because tanking, I find still just like healing is a group sport. It's not just like a, mm-hmm. a tank succeeds or fails as much with their own efforts as they do with the group's efforts. And I think that's something that I, I would say why I prefer DPS mm-hmm. classes. Cause in some ways I feel like that I have more control over what I can do and not yeah. do. Whereas with like a tank or a healer, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of the group having to collaborate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say as, as far as like, when I have been doing it, while it's probably more stressful to have this type of gameplay, I would prefer it not to be, oh, hey, at the start of combat, I just need to do X, Y, Z, and then it's just like, you know, autopilot after that. I feel like that wouldn't be interesting gameplay. I feel like even playing other um, classes, types of classes, that I want to be able to be active and not just be like kind of a one, two button push, like it's just not not interesting for me so i would feel like you have to have that variety in combat and be able to have that ebb and flow uh because if you don't then it just quickly stagnates for me yeah what about you armor cell oh i'm I'm the same boat as able to say like i'm not a main tank but when i do tank it, it i i also don't want to be do all these presets before the uh combat itself and then just let let it go autopilot where i'm just fighting but once again you do need a good team to be a tank because a tank is mitigating damage right but you can't just heal your own damage unless you're a paladin which means you're like a one-man army and you don't need anyone else and you just want to be a a dark person you know but um obviously obviously uh with the tanking huh yeah cult person yeah 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 following following your cult you know, um, but yeah, like you, you sort of want to have a, a balance of the threat. So mm-hmm. you, you want to have that interesting, interesting, in, oh, I'm so tired, man. So you yeah. want to have a, like a balancing act of threat or too much threat. Like you don't want to be pulling too much in, but also at the same time, you want to be pulling enough in that your team doesn't need to worry about the rest of the mobs attacking him. Um, but that that whole balancing act is great, but I'm not sure how you'd visualize it. Um, but tanking is fun. I do find it fun, but at the same time, it, it it's very concerning. Where I'm like, my health's going low, guys. I need the heals. I need the heals, and you need you need that constant verbal interaction with your teammates. Be like, hey, you need to back me up. I'm I'm dying here. Mm, call um, us. Yeah. One one thing I was going to ask, and I know you said you were tired, right? But uh, you said something uh, interesting. I couldn't quite make out there um, a specific word. It was, um, if you could elaborate on it, you said uh, intra bleu. What was that? Intra bleu? What? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm being being an ass hat right now. This is not a dark overlord thing, I swear. No. It's uh, uh, you keep telling yourself that. Bro. Giving other people shit, I swear to God. I, I mean, to what would you swear to, Infera? Not the sandals, um, not the role in game. The, the, 
perhaps the sandal you know no perhaps, i'm not uh, swearing to something that could crush me it's ridiculous i don't know well, like wh which of the corrupted ancients do you follow so i guess maybe you'd swear to them wait what'd you say i must have a filter what was that you must have a filter right yeah it's called selective yeah. hearing i'm i'm well aware <laughs> of that i'm sorry i don't understand the selective hearing but but well, reel it us back in yes let's back in here so i did i did have a comment and one of the things that i would like to see and this is maybe not necessarily like what the question is asking but i think it is um important to point out mm -hmm. i would like to see more encounters where multiple tanks are needed like an off tank as well because i feel like having that and I, I'm not saying this because, you know, I feel like all tanks are, you know, have this issue, but it, it's not like, it, I don't like having a single point of failure in any class, right? So a tank heals, et cetera. So you're going to have right now the, you know, they're thinking an eight party, you know, eight person party. So mm -hmm. I would like encounters where you kind of need an off tank, an active off tank versus just having one tank. Same thing with heels and off heels. I think that would be good. And obviously with having support, you know how much of a fan I am of non-healing support. So I would love that too. So I think that's another part of um, initiation of threat that I would like to see because you will have encounters where one person can't handle it all. And that's by design, yeah. right? Not because of lack of skill. And I think that's also important to keep the encounters interesting, right? Because one of the most fun things that I would say I enjoyed in that Blizzard game was at some point being able to off tank. I found off tanking more fun than main tanking. Interesting. Um, because there was, I would say it's it was less pressure, but there was still like an awareness component that I liked, which is why I like DPS, because there's also an awareness component of DPS. Um, so yeah, I would I would like that too, and being able to peel and so on, and it not always have to be like the main tank having to do it. Um, yeah. That was actually one of my most favorite things to do, and I would tend to do that as a DPS sometimes too, because I was more plate-wearing DPS, so I would go and try to peel off of a healer if the tank was otherwise tied up. So I... I I would like that component to be an integral part of like the threat mitigation piece too. Yeah. I think the off taking uh, component is really important to me because it, it feels a little more realistic when you need an off tank for certain things. Cause you know, you I kind of like imagine all those situations you could play this out in like a D and D campaign. You could talk about it in like even real life scenarios where it's like, we're kind of like all focused on this with like, Hey, this is all like coming on too much and like we got a lot here so like strategically distract these things so we can finish this thing off and then we're going to come help you like it's like the divide and conquer aspect or element you know and yep. so you know for me i like that like um in regard to like the tanking role you know i'm not saying that i prefer but i do i do usually lean more towards either tanking or healing i, I tend to find that i excel with both equally uh, i would say that i probably excel with both quite highly dps always has been boring to me 
at least in regard to like a PVE element, raiding dungeons, etc. Um, I like PVP uh, aspects more when it's a PVP uh, situation or scenario. That's when I tend to excel at like you know at like DPS and stuff. But really, it's more just PVP, right? Because you could do that with healing. You could do that with tanking. I've been in situations in games where I could do you know the PVP aspect relatively well and meaningfully um, in any of those roles, and it, it could be fun to change up. But in a PVE specific element where you're talking about threat, because threat rarely ties into PVP. You know, the only time you ever I've ever seen threat tie into PvP is if you've got like a summoner, a hunter who's got a pet, something like that. You can taunt it as a tank. You can pull that onto you, right? That'll work. But you throw a taunt at a player character, it doesn't freaking matter unless there's some secondary or tertiary element to a specialization where you can make using something like a taunt do damage. Um, and that I've seen in situations like PvP, and I think Elder Scrolls Online did that. I don't know if they still do. They did it for a little while back then. But PvP, like t tanking in that game to me just feels really strange and weird. It doesn't feel very meaningful or fun to me. And you're like, well, isn't it meaningful if you're holding aggro? I mean, sure, yeah, but like not, not in regard to like how a tank can feel evolved where you have, you know, agency for a lot of different variations of ways to hold threat. So that's going to be an aspect I'm going to veer into when I'm talking about threat mitigation. So the question is, do you enjoy holding threat as a prevalent part of combat? I think that is foundational to a tank. The point of a tank is not only to to you know be able to soak up that damage and 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 everything, but you got to have threat. You got to feel threatening. Right. And so having a variety of skills that seem like whether you're talking about from the tooltip and the description for a skill versus like how it looks when you use it to the kind of damage it produces to me are all integral to threat generation and, and feeling meaningful as a tank. So there's that component. Right. So do I think that holding threat is a prevalent part of combat. Yeah, I think it's like extremely important and foundational. And in those three ways, it is meaningful. So when you when you fail on those three ways, I tend to feel like it just feels like kind of meh, very cookie cutter, not very interesting. So the secondary part of this question was, do you prefer the threat mechanics to be a part of combat initiation? Not necessarily. Um, I do think that you can initiate combat a variety of different ways you could have a hunter pull you could have someone do some sort of misdirecting pull um you could use totems or uh you know polymorphs or things like you know from world of warcraft examples stun mechanics trap mechanics these things can all pull but in that scenario whoever initiated that is likely going to be causing the threat um can you do it you know and have someone else pull and then sort of like to help your tank in regard to like, you know, the initial onset of the damage. Sure. Um, do you, I prefer that the tank pulls? Absolutely. Is it triggering as a tank when someone else pulls and you're not doing it? Yeah. You know why? Cause threat generation and maintenance is a real thing. And if you start out by initiating, you often are what everybody highest on the threat table. And that's just a start out, right? So if I initially run in and don't even use something like a taunt, I am 
number one on the threat table right before anybody starts doing damage so it, it sort of like makes it easier to organize the the things that you're tanking and to maintain and build threat generation over time so when you're a dps and you go pull and they don't let the tank do it just know you're not a team player and you're actually making things messy now some people are going yeah but we've done this before sim when we play yeah but usually when you play with your friends or the content can just be sort of like burned those things be become a bit more trivial but to a group that is going in sort of at the same level this is a difficult like uh, piece of content to to focus on and we're all gonna like have to do our part it's very important and meaningful that you sort of like are mindful of that and when you talk about throughout the duration yeah that to me is bread and butter that's like to me threat maintenance throughout a fight is like healing maintenance throughout a fight like you gotta you gotta maintain some stream of healing usually too um, and you don't really want people doing stuff that's going to mess that up. What's an example of messing that up? You are standing in the fire, homie, and that's not a buff. Situational awareness is a real thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, to me, I think it's super important. But, you know, it's all important not only that threat mitigate, like threat and maintenance is there and generations there, but also how I'm doing that as a tank feels meaningful and interesting and and therefore fun right and i think a lot of times my issue with why dps comparatively isn't fun is because sometimes i think just a lot of times that it doesn't feel very fun or interesting in terms of mechanics and i think with healing and tanking i generally feel like those could be more interesting because there's a certain level of challenge to not letting someone die and not dying right versus like dpsing and it doesn't mean that dpsing isn't meaningful or important or fun it's just in my experience and this i think isn't because the role is meaningless i think it's because the developers who create the dps classes don't really like try to make them really interesting they all just feel like kind of the same thing just redressed with different colors and names for skill uh, effects and things right but i don't know if you guys have any like follow-up idea um ideas or topics around that but i feel like that's a you know sort of the variety that i sort of present there is probably a good segue middle ground discussion now too I yeah feel like, I, uh, oh go oh, ahead Armour, you know go ahead Armour, tell. yeah i was thinking about something but bro mm. i first already said what i'm thinking in, in chat like with um, the when you're versing player versus player, the taunts can simply um, mitigate some like not mitigate but like lessen damage to your party members, but increase damage to you for the yeah. person you're taunting. Yeah. So that will encourage that person to attack you, whether or not they choose to or not is another thing. Mm. But the fact is, like if you're changing the damage output to 1.1 times on yourself and mm. 0.9 times on your friends, they're more likely to attack you because they're doing more damage to you. So, so that that could be a a way to work the player versus player taunting system mm -hmm. um that that does sound like it will it's obviously this taunting is uh you can't force a player to attack you but you can encourage it so that that does make a lot of sense to me but yeah. i think the, one of the reasons why i don't i don't play tank too often is because tank is tank and tank is more like a leader type of role right i agree and then a, a healer is probably like the healer i'd see as like a secondary sort of like court People who call out do the most call outs, right? Yeah. You don't see DPS people doing call outs, really. No, not usually. 
DPS is like just point and damage. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to uh demean DPS, but I'm just saying like you don't really hear a the, the leader being a uh warrior or whatever, being like, okay, True. we're all gonna attack this mob. Where mm. tanks like, hey, I need help. We need to like we need to uh get the threat off this off this person onto me or yeah. healer, we need this person here. Uh, or the healer's telling, come back, I need to heal you a bit more. Like that, that's those are the people who do more call outs than not. Even, and then I'd say thirdly would be the um would be like the supporting classes like anyone that does buffs or debuffs, those would be next to call outs. But the person that you really see less doing call outs is um the DPS. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I don't know where I was going with that. I went on a weird tangent there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. I still think it was a good point. What were you going to yeah. say, Daedalus? I was going to say, like, I kind of have that thought, too. Like, when I do get bored with a DPS, that's primarily my go-to, because, frankly, I haven't really played a game for a long time outside of, say, maybe, like, City of Heroes, maybe a little bit Guild Wars 2, where the non-healing support class was something that was fun but i actually really enjoy that when that type of class is meaningful in encounters yeah uh because again right there's decisions you make it's a lot more dynamic you're kind of working with the party and it isn't necessarily just like a focus on dps there's granted there is a dps like there's an awareness component to dps right that most yeah. people that play DPS don't do, but I do feel like it's more important and more visible to be aware as like a control class, like a CC class or something, a buff debuff class to, um, and, and that's why I think it that's important. And I, I find those mm-hmm. surprise, like initially, like I was all like DPS all the time. I don't like healing. I don't like tanking. I'm always going to be DPS, but then I really, got introduced to this you know crowd control type of class and i really liked it and so that's for me that's the great sweet spot because you can kind of have a balance between damage and control and that's a like that's a a good balance for me and it also again helps with situational awareness and helping the tank out okay hey the tank is too occupied or the tank and the off tank are too occupied there's another threat We've got more ads than we can handle as a group. Yeah. Okay, let the CC shine at that point. Um, and I think that's that's also an important aspect of gameplay that I do hope that as much as Intrepid has talked about it, and in especially in the combat, they kind of hinted at what they wanted to do with those non-healing support. Yeah. I am looking forward to having that be like a really active and necessary and relevant part of the combat. I find buffs and debuffs a lot more fun than DPS, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, nothing's more satisfying than seeing a enemy go, like, the damage output go down or their, their movement go slower and your your party goes faster and, like, they almost go, like, Super Saiyan. Like, they was on the, doing, like, four or five attacks at once and just, like, absolutely hammering the enemy. The buffs and debuffs are definitely what I love. That's interesting because do you feel like you're going to play more of a support role as a result of that? I, I feel like it. That's... Yeah. I mean that's that's why I'm that's why I've sort of gone like the I'm, I plan on going the priest route as well. Like interesting, I, I, I can get that though. Yeah, 
I feel like seeing a debuff or even like, uh, you know, some sort of like buff for your party really sort of like, I think one really great example from, from my perspective of a, of a party buff is, uh, like the, the shamans, you remember what was that called? The shamans buff. It was, uh, enrage. No, 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 not enrage. It's, uh, Oh, blood, uh, bloodlust. Blood that's it. Thank you. And and you get this really cool, like sort of like rah 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 with everybody, and like they all sort of get reg and like Hulk out, and they're all like rah, and everybody in your party sort of doing like insane damage. Like you're genuinely doing like a bunch more damage, and that feels very rewarding. At least I thought it always did. Um, but like respectively, we're like or you know, in in contrast, I think uh, if you look at like um anything any sort of like mass aoe sort of like rooting that's always really fun too because you know especially when those roots like i think like a druid spell might have done like roots to where in world of warcraft where you root them and then it could do damage over time right something like that even like slows with like ice those sort of things where it's like you're on it and they're just like and you get this like crackling frost sound from it like those things always to me were really really fun because it just feels very organic and very um i don't know for me it's very immersive because i feel more like i'm in that world doing the damage when things like that are kind of happening around me so i could definitely at least from that perspective totally get where you're coming from um as opposed to things like buffs like charges for paladins and god when they went that direction and you remember cataclysm i was like oh this sucks this feels like absolute dookie to me. It really yeah, did. Well, that, that's part of my rant when we started talking about combat and how uh-huh. that that has been like a failure for me as a player in a number of games, specifically yeah, um, that Blizzard one, um, just because, yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the combat discussion because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that really started that discussion for me um, really well was just understanding the thought process um, behind Mm -hmm. how they're planning to build the classes out. And I know it seems pretty standard, but I feel like there's more, there's more possibility behind that versus what happened in other games and experiences that I've had with different types of classes. So I have a question, though, and this one's uh, one that sort of popped into my head as you guys were talking about, I think Armored Cell was talking about damage output and, like, threat. So here's the question I've got is, what do you all think about when you've got a tank that does a lot of damage? Like, when, you know, when you look at, like, traditionally DPS meters, keeping in mind Ashes isn't going to have meters, but how do you feel about when tanks are able to put out pretty strong damage as well compared to DPS classes? Like, are there instances where you're like, this makes sense and it works versus times where you're like, this is just ridiculous and shouldn't even be happening? Um, I'm just going to say one thing. Hashtag mm-hmm. triggered. That I noticed. Is the <laughs> absolute, that is the absolute biggest trigger for me mm-hmm. as a player when by default the tank out dps is the dps and i'm not talking about like a skill thing right that's different but like the baseline yeah just there's no contest or the Mm. 
the tank has to do damage in order to generate threat. Right. That to me isn't a tank. That's a really tanky DPS. Uh, and, and that was probably one of my biggest beefs with, with World of Warcraft was that. Yeah. Is that consistently tanks could out DPS DPS. And I think that's just bad design. Make, yeah. I mean, work on the skills such that, you know, you're, there's, you're augmenting the threat generation versus the damage output and lean more on your DPS to do so. And then that may make the encounters more um, difficult, yeah. but that's where I'm saying, well, then you have non-healing support that can help your DPS out buffs, debuffs, yeah. right? Active buff, de buff debuffs versus at the start, everyone buffs up and then that's it. They just wait till the buffs like drop off in 30 minutes to an hour. Right. That's not what I'm talking about when I say buff debuff. It's like when you think about things like a bard class or a controlling class that's a, a force multiplier, Those that's what makes those classes relevant is having that. But if your tank can literally like steamroll everything and DPS is just along for the ride, total flaming bag of you know doggy doo doo i don't like that at all yeah i can think of yeah. uh the example i know exactly what triggers you too it's the damn death knights back in mm -hmm. the day remember the death knights were able to put out insane damage i think it was maybe what was it um i'm trying to think of which expansion it was but their dps ended up becoming insane i think it was actually kata if i'm not mistaken they were putting out like insane, like hundreds of thousands of damage. And you're just like, dude, what the hell? And it was all off of like self-healing too. And so they mm -hmm. had, you know, so here's my perspective on damage, right? And I don't know how you're going to feel about this. It, I think it's good for a tank to put out damage, right? But there's like a level of damage. Like, for example, let's say your highest, your exceptional player with best in slot and really skilled is on their a game they're like a you know world or top us raider person right like that person's putting out like let's say that their damage is like 80k right right dps damage per second right let's say they're about 80k that's like the top end of the best of the best right let's say you're exceptional like people that are good but not quite at that level are doing like 70k let's say like you know the deep the decent people are between like 30 to 50k then like I don't mind like if the healer is able to do like 10 to 15k damage and the tank's able to do 20 to 25k somewhere in there like that makes sense to me right because in mm -hmm. PvP that in my his in my experience allows a good tank with survivability and crowd control aspects and damage mitigation to balance out with like someone who's like a good DPS right to where they can kite them they can root them they can do certain things to mitigate damage pay potentially a little bit of self-healing or something and they could potentially outlast a dps because they're more skilled like so in that situation it could make sense to me right like that mm -hmm. works that that works to me but when you got like a dps sorry a tank who's legit out dpsing every other dps in the group because their skills are doing that kind of damage to heal, that doesn't make sense to me. Give them one or the other, right? And a tank shouldn't have one being that they can do ridiculous damage while they're healing ridiculously. Um, that made the healers like kind of see feel irrelevant too. 
Like I remember yeah. doing healing and going like, I mean, if they're doing that damage and healing that much, like I'm not, I'm just barely spot healing the tank. And you're like supposed to be the quote unquote tank healer. Like, right. What am I beaconing this fool for? I should just go ret or something, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I have a different view on this. Like, sure. I feel like, I feel like the um. So I feel like tanks can do damage, but not as much. Obviously, not as much as the DPS. But I feel like mm. the damage from the tank should be more like a reward from mitigating damage. For example, like a reactive shield, mm. or a a oh, charge okay. rage. Like so, sort of like you're you're taking so much damage, so now you can do like a small but like a once-off burst damage sort of thing. So like a reward for doing your role. That makes sense to me. But if you're just playing, your playing attacks, your playing skills are doing more damage than DPS. Why do you have DPS? Why not everyone just be tanks? Yeah, I, I like that idea though. Like something that mitigates damage, like something that provides, like something that potentially a player in PvP could avoid, but they made a bad choice and the tank gotcha. Yeah, and so now it's like, like a consequence. Reward the reward the player for doing the role. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, but that's also a good like alternate idea about like how to go about it too. I like that. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree, and and I'm the same. Like I have the same rant when it comes to a tank out healing the healer too, right? And again, this is not a skill discussion, right? Because I've been in those groups too, right? Where, oh hey, you know the tank is like having to pop all their stuff because the healer isn't paying attention or what have you. Um, but I I do feel like a tank should have some upper passive damage mitigation and active mitigation. They're needing to make good choices mm -hmm. in order to do that. And again, collaborate with their team, um, you know, so that, you know, the, yeah. the big damage gets healed when it needs to, they're popping their stuff when they need to, right. At the same, at the same point, right. You, you again, got collaboration, making sure that all classes have a role and a relevancy. Uh, and that's, what I've seen fall away from a lot of MMOs that I've played is it's it's very one note, like you know Guild Wars Two. Everybody could do everything. That mm. kind of made everybody irrelevant. Really, you didn't didn't matter who was in your group. WoW kind of did the same thing, where you pretty much focused on specific classes and yeah. others that weren't necessarily as focused on, weren't as desired in any comp uh, whatsoever. So I think it it does really change the tone of the game when you have classes that like people don't want to play or are almost like pushed to not play because they're not desired yeah. and that's i would say my biggest like anxiety about ashes right now is that class relevancy because i tend to mm. i don't know whether it's a curse or not i tend to gravitate to classes that people like yeah, you know, that's not really a class anyone really like, oh, no. likes to play or whatever, right? Oh, no. So that's why I'm always, I'm always like, oh, man, really? Because um, I was all excited about the Paladin and WoW, and then you, well, we, you know how that goes. Yeah, I do. do you feel the like, Red Paladin, sorry. Yeah, the other yes. two, you know, they did their thing, but yeah. the Red Paladin specifically, yes. like, that's my, yep. my class fantasy, right? Is to oh. do that, is to be like that holy warrior, and it was like, Always disappointed. No, you're like it started out even in vanilla. It's like you it was took bad. forever to kill things, and you were this literal like buff bot. You just had one button you had to press with the mod or not. Yeah, yeah, power. Yeah, 
Well, no, not even Pally mm. Power. It's like, oh, yeah, I just got to spam cleanse. I just got to spam decursive. That's what I did in a lot of raids. And I'm like, really? This is not fun at all. No. Uh, yeah. That's boring as hell. Dude, I was just like thinking about the Paladin, but so it's got to be such a buzzkill when you always are picking that because you feel like you, you feel like the reason that you gravitate to those because that's like how you feel immersed in like class identity. Mm-hmm. Like you go for class identity, like this feels like a me, but me going me in a game ends up being just disappointing mm-hmm. because it's that yeah. situation. Yeah, and it's like one of those things, like especially in my experience in Vanilla WoW, it was almost like I think I played the Paladin pretty like much near to max level. Mm. And when I finally was like, I need a break. I can't do this all the way to max level because it was so grindy and there wasn't just a lot of opportunities to really like group well um, on a regular basis. And so I played like a full DPS, like a rogue, a mage, right? Those I tended to have like more fun, even though solo, mm. I would say is was more risk versus reward in terms of challenge. It was still, in my opinion, more fun to do that um, as like I went through expansions. Um, though I did, I would say as I got into more expansions, I'm like, I'm just going to get it, get it to the end. I'm going to get it to the end. And then I'm going to swap for a while unless there was like maybe a raid situation where it's like, okay, the guild was getting ready to raid. So I will, okay, I'll, I'll make sure my tune is geared to do that. But outside of that, it's like, oh, then I didn't want to see the paladin for a while. And that is played an alt. Um, but yeah, it, it was clearly about, and that's kind of one of my major comments about other games is if you don't have a clear direction on your class fantasy, then it gets muddled. And when you have a muddled class fantasy, it's not interesting gameplay at all. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel good as, as a player to play that class. And you'll immediately want to play something else. Yeah, it's a great segue too. Orange, do you have any other thoughts on that, real quick? Because that's like the perfect segue into the combat teams discussion stuff. Uh, I'm, no, I'm good. So I'm going to read this point then, because what they talked about. You had uh, Jim Sanders, Trad Thompson, or yeah, Thompson, I think, and then uh, Keenan Reimer, right? They talked about the process of making an archetype always start on paper with the design document, establishing the class fantasy, its identity and role within the party. Once that's done, the abilities and class mechanics are uh, idealized, filtered and redesigned. So when you hear them saying that, like to me, that's like a, it's like a breath of fresh air. Right. Because you're talking about like, well, we didn't just, you know, go, oh, we know exactly what that's going to be going into it. You, I can hear them actually saying like, okay, so what is it? What's the class fantasy look like first, right? And then what, how's, what's its identity? And then like, how's that going to work in a party? And in party, it's eight people, like Daedalus was saying earlier, eight person party and ashes. So they're, they're looking at the balancing act of like the classes and archetypes or archetypes being what? That's your primary thing you start with. There's eight of them. And then your classes are once you your first augmentation comes into play and you augment that developing your class by com- combining with a secondary archetype. Um, so first of all, hearing that's really good, right? They said that rapid prototyping is important because it allows you to fail and maybe succeed early in order to improve on it iteratively. 
that sounded to me like where they've been at with the class stuff so far. I don't know if you all took that away from that, but that's what I heard. Oh. Yeah, I, I was actually laser focused on that comment because that like when I can't remember um, what number article it is, I probably have it handy, mm -hmm. but that was like the one of the first comments that I made is is how important having that class yeah. fantasy is. Right. It's like as a rule, right? Because it's it's a combination. It's extremely important to me as a player to have that identity because they not only talk about identity, they talk about role yep. and that role, both of those, you know, come into the fact that, okay, now I have like, what would be really cool things that would demonstrate this role in this class fantasy in terms of skills. And yes, on paper, things sound great in practice. They might not be. And so the fact that they're going through that level of iteration and it's all about rapid prototyping, that's really yeah. good. Cause I didn't really kind of get that in other games that I've tested. Like even yeah, like true. one of like the biggest like mistakes in terms of judgment that I saw was moving from final beta to go live for for paladins for World of Warcraft. Because oh, yeah. they legit had right up until yep. the end of beta, this is how a paladin is gonna play. And I got into it. And then all of a sudden it was completely different when we got into live and I'm like, what just happened? Oh, yeah. I'm so discombobulated as a player. And that to me already says that, yeah, okay. Number one, you didn't have a good idea of what you wanted to do to class to begin with. And number two, you didn't test or iterate enough and you just slammed something in just to get it over the line. Yeah, just to reiterate on that, I really think like when Alpha 2 does come out, once again, we still don't know when, but when it does mm -hmm. come out, this is why feedback is important. Feedback to the devs is one of the most important things you can do during Alpha 2. I agree. Because this is what they want. They want to know where they're failing, where they're succeeding, and how they can improve upon their failures. So that way when the game is released, you have that class identity and you have that fun gameplay that you want. So anyone that is going to be in the in the alpha 2 that remember like it's not just a you're not just playing alpha 2 you're also helping the development of the game yeah so we need to make sure that we're doing this feedback when they're doing this constant as you said iterations like they were talking about every time um they like they when steven's walking past like hey steven can you just try out this this uh warrior tell me what this what the skill feels like does it feel good to you if, if it doesn't feel good why it doesn't feel good like mm -hmm. Does it need to swing faster? Does it need to be more impactful? Does it like they need they need these sort of small even if it's even if you think it's not a important detail, if it doesn't feel right to you, let them know. Yeah, it might not be the way they want to go, but by you letting them know what you think, it's giving them more information about what the player base as a whole uh, feels about the way they're going and. If they if it's what they want, then they'll keep going. If it's not, then they'll try and reiterate and fix it. And they've been like really big about this for ages. So if you're stepping into ashes, catching this podcast, hearing this for the first time, um, I can't stress what he's saying enough. They've they've been big on this for a long time. The forums have got like I don't even know how many polls and requests for feedback since they've been growing as a development team. It's just it's too many for me to count. Um, 
And yeah, they may not, they might stay the course in what they're doing, but you know, you, you can't say with this development team that they don't take that feedback, look at it and make decisions based on it. Cause they absolutely do. And, you know, that's from my perspective, one of the things, if they continue to do that throughout this game's lifespan, they won't fall into the, the same unfortunate trend that games like blizzards well that blizzard game world of warcraft like it's mm-hmm. like it's made over the years where they just simply don't listen to the community the number one reason i stopped playing world of warcraft is because expansion after expansion of saying they're listening when their actions absolutely show they don't right and you know ashes is on the other side of that and it's really nice to to feel that like they they didn't listen to community when they were saying like um like the community wanted a classic server like yeah. back to classic like no no you don't want that you don't want you think you want that but you don't want that and what happened when they yeah. released classic <laughs> what happened when they released classic mm-hmm. it was probably one of the biggest launches in like years for them yeah because it was what the community wanted I know right they were so out of touch with their community yeah. they didn't even know what they they what they needed true man it's absolutely true um. I just, yeah, it's just, that's the thing, man, is when we, I think at this point, you know, when you see people that also talk about Ashes of Creation and they are expressing that the game's like, it's a scam or it's this or it's that. There you go. Daedalus posted it in chat. That's the HQ article. It was what the, the Herald's Ballad number three on that, where he's talking read. about some of this. Yeah, definitely a good, a good read. Um, But, but anyway, uh, so let's see, continuing on, right? There is there is a takeaway that we're going to sort of talk about as sort of like the final topic, right? Um, and a lot of it comes from what I read in here. So I'm going to hit these points, right? The team expressed that their greatest challenge is making someone who's playing feel like they are the character they are playing. Again, hearing that, that means they're paying attention to those aspects of immersion, right? This hits on why Daedalus is going to pick a character that he's talking about, like this class identity component, Right. So I hear him over and over hitting on this, like why it is I'm going to potentially play a character. I want to play a paladin, but if it doesn't feel true to what I uh, feel or in a way that a paladin's rewarding, it's unfortunately maybe not going to be the class I pick because in Ashes, it's not like other games. I'm not going to get this like casual, let me hit max level and go, oh, I'll just reroll. It'll take me X amount of time. I could knock it out in a few days later if i want to do it that isn't going to be the case so it's going to be a big big freaking decision to make and i think it's also important that those those you know archetypes and classes all those combinations are going to feel authentic to what they're they're later going to feel like so there's not going to be massive changes they're going to have to make to what that class identity is because otherwise you're going to piss people off so bad if they go into playing something and then you change it up so much later that now it doesn't feel like you know it, they don't identify with it anymore and now it's like i'm gonna have to re-roll because i don't want to play this character it doesn't feel right in some way so, I really feel like they're, yeah. they're trying to make this into like a almost like a D and D campaign where they yeah. want to immerse you in the, immerse you in the world where the characters you are playing mm. feel like the characters you are playing where it's not you're not even if you're not role playing a character you are still playing a character in this world of Vera right so whether or not you like it or not your actions are still going to impact other people and I feel like 
Stephen's big goal here is to make this feel like a living, breathing D&D world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And and kind of coming back to like, because I've I have gone back and forth in terms of what I want to play as a main. Um, and I had initially kind of gravitated before I decided I think I might want to go non-healing support. Um, I had gravitated towards want to say it was the fighter fighter cleric, which is I want to say the high sword. Yeah. But because I, I was like, hmm, that might be what I would have really hoped and dreamed that a paladin like should be, or at least like a ret paladin because i hope they don't turn that into a ret paladin you know for for reasons mm. but i would like a like a, a holy warrior fighter that would be like fantastic or and and i would like to see like what they do with that combination if you can really kind of lean into more like a damage versus a more supporty type of um uh character and and so but i do have like i do have some trepidation about that whether or not that will really mm. be successful because i haven't really seen that be successful in any game that i've played um uh, and so that's why i'm like thinking maybe i want to start more on the like buff debuff force multiplier type of character because i have had a lot of fun with that and it's been pretty consistent again balancing that with like the damage component because I have noticed, um, depending on what you've chosen in, say, like City of Heroes, mm-hmm. you could be like, "Hey, you're you're non-healing support, but you can't solo for you know what." So you need to be have a party in order to really be relevant and successful, right? You can't solo. Um, but I've had other classes like that where if you lean on the right augmentation in that game. You can be totally like hold your own in terms of DPS. I mean, it's not probably as efficient as like a full DPS, but it's still again relevant. All all day left needs a gal. Yeah. Was that when you said the whole when you said the holy high sword? I just got like flashbacks of uh, reading that people want to do a holy crusade against the Tolna. It scares me as as a Tolna player. It scares me hearing about the holy crusade. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm not into genocide. Yeah, you know what I was gonna <laughs> say though when you were saying the high sword, because that's fighter crossed with the secondary uh, archetype of cleric. the cleric, and then mm-hmm. Templar is the cleric with the secondary of a fighter. So mm-hmm. one thing I've always wondered is like, because like you're gonna be more cleric with a Templar, and you're gonna be more fighter with a high sword, right? Mm-hmm. So the question then is, is like with that class identity component, how are you going to augment? And there's probably others that we're going to do. We could have the same conversation with, but just as like a, a discussion point in, in, in differentiating between, you know, your classes, again, knowing that classes just means primary archetype modified with a second, something like a high sword and a Templar, those two being uniquely different that's going to be interesting to see what they go with. Right. Uh, you know, and is it going to feel more like that rep pally feel or, you know, which one's going to feel more like that Templar, or like a high sword. I, I can already imagine what that could be like as yeah. a, just as a top of my head sort of scenario. I'd say, so think of it as you're channeling the divinity, like divine energy. Yeah. Uh, a high, a high sword will be ex- exporting that energy outwards Whereas a Templar would be exporting, like, importing that into yourself. So you'll be buffing yourself Ooh. or um, healing yourself. And yeah. but the other one is more like your your sword's now 
uh, glowing with radiant energy or mm-hmm. with dark energy, depending on what sort of religion you're going for, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like one's output, one's input. That could be it, because that because like clerics are more um, divine, whereas warriors are more attacking, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it makes sense for the energy of the divine to be exported and one be imported. So that's yeah. just the top of my head how they could go. Yeah. yeah, and like personally, I think you're talking about like a, a pretty basic distinction between the two, at least mm-hmm. in my mind, right? Because mm-hmm. your fighter is going to be melee, right? Yep. So you're mm-hmm. and you're going to and I would expect you be able to choose between more damage or more heal output. But again, mm-hmm. not heal to the equivalent of like a cleric. Um, and then with the Templar, I would expect you'd be more of a caster type of play and range yeah. type of play with that. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I see the distinction where you could in both scenarios lean more towards damage versus some yeah. sort of healing buffing, whether that's self or whether that's party based that I couldn't really tell you off the top of my head, but that's kind of how I feel like they're going to differentiate that. Yeah. At least I would hope. Um, yep. cause because again, the base skills don't necessarily change. They just change the nature of them changes. At least that's the feedback we've gotten and how they're approaching how skills morph with that secondary archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting too. Cause I'm like just sitting here thinking about like, you know, the high sword that and the Templar and you got the high sword. It's like, okay, you know, cause yeah, you, you go with the high sword. Maybe you just get a little bit more of like, maybe you get like a little bit of healing off stuff. You know, and and you know the the freaking starting as a cleric going with the fighter just allows your cleric to be still bright and shiny. But and then you know what the thing is though, I was thinking about when you said that you're like more melee and more range. Yeah, and then we all got to take into consideration you could be any weapon you want, right? So that meaningfulness of how you go with a secondary and how that's all gonna feel with different weapons. This is like so much, man. So much going on there. To, to, to really kind of like wrap your head around but yeah it's, it's a big conversation and Arthas is like yo uh, in chat he was like going you know there's so much we haven't seen yet and then keep that in mind tuck that down tuck that in there because as we go through these combat discussion points there's a question what's that question we'll get to it soon the, the continuity of effects in order to be able to identify class archetypes from the classes, spells, visual effects at the forefront is a lot of the thought that when they have when de- defining the style guide, right? They kept talking about the style guide and iterating upon classes. Um, they talked about being able to tune what it's like playing a single player versus when playing in a large party to avoid the visual soup when too much is happening in a particular area, again, a really important thing to hear because one of the big problems you see not only in, well, what the hell is going on around me going off of those situational awareness act, you know, components. If, if ashes is going to be a game where you're not going to have meters, et cetera, and nothing's telling you what to do. I need to be able to see that stuff, man. Right. And if it's just a bunch of effects on the ground, all, uh, this big amalgamation of just flash bright like stuff going on where I can't see my own stuff or the enemy stuff. That could be a problem. I, I do remember them mentioning something about if there's like the more players there are on the, on mm-hmm. the screen, the, the they've got like a sort of like a slider where it will slide down how much effects is showing. So it's not like oversaturated and just blinding with the effects. Um, 
which I I'm really glad they are mm -hmm. talking about because you don't like and imagine in the 400 v 400 like yeah. you're not going to you'll you'll it'll just be like a, it'll be a fireworks show you won't see anything <laughs> right yeah um, just a bunch of glowing stuff right yeah yeah but, yeah I I do agree I I'm it is important to have that language there where you can be like just by looking or hearing or you know because like even sounds can play into effect where mm -hmm. if it's absolutely like i'm not sure how they're going to go about that but the language of the abilities to be able to tell what they're using and what augment they've got on it yeah just by the look is going to be very difficult even i don't even know where i'd start with that yeah not only telegraphs too but like the sound that's another component to it to take into consideration too yeah, yeah, and I don't uh, like the other thing too. And I feel like with the initiation of voice chat as part of like oh, the God. gaming experience, yeah. a large gaming experience, I feel like it's become like communication becomes less and less. Um, I'm trying to think here. It's becoming less and and, and less like relevant. Uh, and so I think having um, and I, the way, what I mean by that is people tend to talk more because there's voice chat and that, that isn't, isn't necessarily necessary communication. So I'm hoping that they take that dynamic into account as well when they're looking at how people are tuning the visuals or at least what their alternative ways for visuals. Because one of the things that I found that needed to be coordinated in raid, you know, in raid situations has been right. cooldowns, whether it's healing cooldowns, damage cooldowns, bloodlust, what have you, right? And so you tend to, when people are trying to over communicate because they're doing certain things that, like, okay, if I fire this off, I've got a five minute cooldown and I only got maybe one, possibly two opportunities to do this, they're like being vocal about what they're doing that is also something that I think needs to be taken into account too, in terms of, okay, well, I know that, you know, Sim just fired off his cooldown yeah. because I can see something there. It doesn't have to like, you know, give me a seizure when he drops it, but I still need something to be able to do that, um, to know that so that I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I see that animation happening on his side. So I'm not going to pop yeah. my stuff yet because right. it's not the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's where it's like, it's going to be really important, especially if they incorporate voice chat and game, which I thought they had mentioned at some point they were going to do. Yeah. That's like a way where we've got to really kind of balance that because that's also what makes combat feel good too, is being able to kind of have that collaborative type of design. And, and even more so if they're doing thinking of doing like combo moves, right? That's going to also be like a way for them to say okay we really need to get this certain cc down and so we need some staggers before we do the stuns and so on exactly um you know they 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 hit on a lot of different things when they were talking about combat and you know that visual soup component i mean these are things that when we go into alpha 2 or we're gonna have so much we're gonna have so much opportunity to like really um, get, you know, get our hands on to see what it feels like and be able to, again, kind of iterate upon that, give feedback. They, they talked a lot about, and here we go, 
they, they've hit on this a lot, but the team that was developing this also talked about saying the team's the most excited to see what the summoner and bard will become in ashes because they always seem to fall short in other games. Okay. I heard that and I was like, that gave me a lot of information, not only on what's important to them, but also there was a subtext to that for me in regard to preparation and where they're at with the game. This comes back to the, the arching arcing question I'm going to be hitting on, which is where do we really think they're at then? Because while that was a really great showcase that got me thinking about when do I really think alpha two is actually going to be then? not spot test for it, but actual alpha two, because it sounds to me next month's preview this month is going to be the tank. So we're, we're still only seeing the rework of things right now. We got to see the rework of some of the Ranger stuff, which was an alpha one or sorry, alpha zero, by the way. So that's not a new thing for any newcomers who've been around a couple years that they worked on the, the Ranger. We've only seen the Ranger, Cleric, Tank, and Mage, okay? So they reworked the Cleric, they rework uh, the uh, the Ranger that we saw a little bit of, the reworking of the Tank's gonna get showcased, and now they're probably gonna do a rework of the Mage in, I don't know, the next month or so, which means there's still four classes, and with that, sorry, archetypes, the base archetypes, that doesn't even include augmentation, which is the combination, creating your classes. These things are going to be in Alpha 2. So I'm thinking if the base archetypes aren't there yet, and it clearly they aren't, because when you say, or you're excited to see what the Summoner and Bard will become, that means you haven't, they haven't become anything yet to me. That's what I'm hearing, it, except maybe it's it's sort of sketched out on paper. And I know Daedalus is looking at me like this, right? But we haven't seen anything for them yet at yeah, all. Yeah, you're fair point. We haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like, and they talked about the process when they were on there, right? There's certain passes that they need to do with the class, right? They start out with an idea. There you go. That idea gets idealized. Yeah that idea gets idealized um, into like what the abilities might be. And then they have to do like effects passes and so on. Um, And I do like, I I felt like they were like, they were channeling like my personal opinion about the bard class specifically, but someone or two um, just, you know, because it's a non-healing support or or it has a component non-healing support. Yeah, most definitely has fallen short in other games. Definitely. So I feel like they might have a baseline. They just haven't really been able to test it because not all those pieces and parts are done yet. Yeah. Because just knowing what they're hiring for, right? They're looking for effects people and there so on, right? That's going to be, yeah, that's going to be what I'm thinking, right? I feel like um, that's probably going to be more of what's holding them up. And the fact that they are starting to like they we didn't see the ranger before like since like you said since alpha one or yeah, zero zero uh, really and they brought the ranger in and I wouldn't say that it was like final yeah but it was relatively polished I would agree with that right so I have a feeling like I wouldn't say that they're like you know all the way there yet because they haven't shown us anything. But the fact that they're going through some of these like classes and they're like ready to do a showcase, like when was the ranger versus when the cleric happened versus when the tank is happening, 
we're talking months? like roughly was it a couple of months i think i feel a couple yeah, of months is accurate like that. yeah yeah so yeah. so i agree it may not be as soon to kind of showcase it but they might also make a decision to say hey we're going to get this feedback in spot testing versus showcasing something into um you know it, it before we actually open up alpha one because i kind of feel like that could be a possibility because we've kind of seen majority mm. of these classes that they've shown at least once or twice already so they've already gotten passes of feedback on those they might decide potentially to say okay well barden summoner we're going to do in spot testing and get some feedback there and then release alpha two so i do feel like mm. that might take a different tack versus them just trying to do it all in a vacuum because they haven't done that with these other classes they're showcasing. I do want to just point out that I don't think like I don't think they're gonna be having everything at the get go of Alpha 2, right? Right. So yeah, agreed. agreed. So once again, like they're not they, they may not have all eight archetypes at when they release Alpha 2. So just keep that in mind because mm. they'll have the base down so they'll have like crafting they'll have like some augments they'll have a few other things right but they might not have the like how i'll do it as a developer as such is every like during the live streams if they're going to add something to the alpha 2 testing they could do it in the live like show it in the live stream as what's the next update and then there'll be more people true. engaged in the community and Very be like true. oh well what's happening they've added this new archetype they've added to try. This, new, this, this new item they've added this new system let's try out the fishing let's try out you know what i mean yeah so like every month when they're adding something new to the game they could be like and now this is also being in alpha introduced into alpha 2 to find out if there's any bugs or if there's any um like nerfs buffs that we need to do to reiterate upon this new mechanic or new system or new uh archetype so just because like that's how i'll do it myself because because then it gets the community more engaged with uh, the content creators, the forums being like, hey, we don't really like this because X. Like, even if they're not in the game, they're still watching people play it. But like, hey, that doesn't look right. right. That doesn't feel right. Why, why is the fishing rod not hitting the water? Why is the um, nodes floating a little bit? Why does it not feel impactful when you hit a tree? Like, these sort of things that when you see it on stream, be like, hey, maybe that should be a little different. And that's feedback mm -hmm. that they want. So yeah. once again, like I don't think they're going to have all eight archetypes at the beginning of Alpha Two, but I feel like they're going to have at least the main four, which is the the mage, cleric. Uh, like they might not have the uh, the summoner, bard, uh, rogue, and fighter. Yeah, rogue. Yeah, right. Yeah, but they'll have mm -hmm. the base four. So they did do some dagger combat, which leads me to believe that rogue is also maybe in terms of being. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you make a really good point, uh, Armacel, about the fact that they said all eight archetypes will be in Alpha 2, but they didn't say when. No. Two. Yeah. So and, that's mm -hmm. also like, I think, and plus the fact that it's a longer, persistent cycle for Alpha yeah. 2, I fully expect that that's not going to be a determining factor for when they release Alpha 2. I That's think they point. want to have all the systems in place, mm -hmm. potentially, or at least all the most important systems in place yeah. that need to be tested as a baseline. And then they're going to start adding. Same thing with the archetypes. All they need is tank healer DPS, right, to start. 
Yeah, and augmentation uh, and, wasn't and gonna be then, till later either. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that that's also like I think uh, something that says to me that I don't think it's going to be that much longer of a time frame than say like summer. I think summer is still a solid, in my opinion, what it's gonna be to yeah. at least get something out there for the for public consumption um and i think it'll probably there's be a lot happening behind the scenes and then spot testing with like people that have signed up for alpha 2 or even like phoenix initiative i would imagine yeah they talked about the the tanks going to be doing like going up against that massive cyclops raid boss that they showed off that you see remember the scale of that thing dude mm-hmm. the scale of that guy that dude's big man he is big. We saw, um, you know, those like creatures similar to him, the trolls or whatever, sort of like running around in Alpha One. But that guy is big. That Cyclops is huge, man. He like carried a freaking tree trunk for like a, you know, for his weapon or whatever. So, I mean, again, I, I see that as like a, a roaming one. And and they did talk about, and this is the last point on combat, and I'm going to kind of go back to what we're talking about with like potentially their... Uh, alpha 2 release and stuff and when we kind of hypothesize um they said the id ideation phase um with it scaling is always important to take into consideration from uh you know single play to mmo massive raids and they reiterated a big again about the unreal engine 5 giving them a lot of control on aspects of the effects in order to allow for the effects to be present in the open world again talking about you know skill effects and things of that nature but also um talking about things like weather effects and stuff like that now in in my opinion i still think i'm leaning to alpha 2 being around second quarter as the earliest but i now say uh, that end of second quarter is more likely meaning summertime sometime with that being said i don't feel like i have a lot of additional information to go off of to really like deviate too far from my original hypothesis or speculation my best educated guess um, but I do think that the next several, you know, months are going to really be telling in that regard. They, yeah. So I still think that's the case. But Alpha 2 being in 2024, I don't know that. Again, that's too drastic of an assumption to make or speculate on. Um, but I think that if peop- people were going to, you know, I think if people are going to like speculate further out than sooner, it's not really going to hurt anything. It certainly isn't going to be bad for your expectations in tempering them um, to kind of like look for it being later. But some final thoughts on combat real quick, okay? Because I wanted to include these in our discussions. Um, Climbing, Armored Cell last week talked about the potential for sort of climbing up into a tree. Um, We've talked previously and they've been talking about active blocking. A lot of people have had different perspectives on that. And when you think about these two things, when you think about it, do you want a resource, something like a stamina pool? That's an additional resource. And then what does that tie into? Does that tie into now abilities that are physical damage, like the Elder Scrolls Online? You got stamina abilities, you got magicka abilities. Do we want that sort of like, you know, inclusion into things like climbing and parkouring and roll dodging for those who are able to do it? Um, do we want... You know, I mean, if blinking's got its own resource, for example, and that's an active skill, pulls for magic. 
um, for the mana pool. Um, do we want those things? How much climbing should there be if you're able to climb? Is it just going to be related to parkour, you know, small things? Do we want to see like climbing in, in distances? But then how do you sort of like temper that? Uh, do you give it a pool? Active blocking is the same thing. You know, where do you want to see that? Everybody, do you want to pull for that? Um, feel free to jump on in. I know we touched on this probably a month ago. Um, this could be one we end up continuing talking about next week, but just jump on in, I guess, gentlemen. This will be our last topic tonight. Yeah, it is a big thing, right? Yeah. Like having another resource. I think that was our main concern last yeah. time was having a another resource to to balance. Um, like, just think about it, like just the tank alone. Like they would have the they could have the a threat mitigate like a, a threat uh, balancing act. They could have a stamina balancing act. They would have also have a health balancing act. Of, like how many how many meters do we want? But at the same time, if they if they're really pushing for this uh, active blocking, if it's not a new energy system, you can't just spam it. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe it's when you're active blocking or using something that would use stamina it would uh, decrease the regen time of certain health or magicka or like other resource pools. So that way it's not to, so there's got to be something to stop you from spamming it. That, that's the main, main thing I can see. Like yeah. you can't constantly spam blocking, whether it be a new energy resource or a, a negative buff to regaining other resources. It has to be something. And I just don't know what that is yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm of the mind with any design, less is more. Same. And I feel like you're going to add layers upon layer. I mean, the climbing I'm actually okay with, because I think that could be kind of a fun mechanic for sieges and whatnot. But when you're talking about active blocking and stamina, I mean, yeah, you can balance it, but it's still like something else to do. Um and and I don't know that it adds value, right? And that's the thing, because you have to make choices in two ways. One, you, you need to make sure it's fun, and you also need to make sure it adds value. Um, and the kind of the the that's kind of where the balance comes in um to that, right? Because regardless of whether it's like a damage ability or a utility ability, if it's not fun and it's not like necessary or relevant, or if it's only situational it tends to not get used as much and people tend to ignore it. And why invest your limited amount of time into that? I would rather they focus on other areas um, than have like active blocking or stamina be a thing because they have tried it um, before. Uh, and I would say it was like hit or miss. I don't know that it was necessarily in any really polished state, but I could take it or leave it. And I just don't feel like that's going to be until I see something in like in full practice versus like whatever cursory thing that they've shown so far, which I expect they're probably going to do a little bit more with the tank piece. Yeah. I, I would expect it would, um, it would need a lot of testing. And I don't know, like as a player, if that would be like one of my top things that I absolutely have to have in game is active blocking. Right. And that's not just because I like, you know, don't really play tanks. I mean, I'm expecting act, active blocking would happen, um, you know, for any class. It just might mitigate a little bit more for a tank. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts, Armored Cell, on that? 
No, I'm I'm still on the same boat. Like I want to see boat. what they what they want to do with it, but it's it's hard for me to. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to have, have like another another energy bar. But once again, right. like if they make it fun, if it, if they make it, if it, they can, they might be able to make it work. Like, I'm not a developer. I don't exactly. know how to go to do this. Yeah. Wow. Man, as long I, as it feels good, that's the main thing. I I believe. Like. Yeah, and it doesn't add too many balancing layers too, to where it's like it kind of gets weird. I, I think. I think generally I don't want a stamina pool. I don't want there to be an extra resource. Uh, I also don't, I don't really want to see active blocking personally. Uh, I feel like that's going to veer it a little more heavily into the action and, and less away from the hybrid to where it's an action game with tab features. Um, that's just my perspective. Uh, climbing. I don't really have an issue with climbing. Um, and I don't even think you need a resource for that. I think you can do like, you know, sort of like Breath of the Wild sort of a situation, right? Without being able to modify it, just like, here's how far I can climb, how many steps I can sort of take. And that mitigates it. So like, I can't, I think this is cool because like the exploration component to traversing can be real fun, especially if you tie in jump puzzle aspect sort of gameplay mechanics towards like in terrain, like, you know, there might be a way to scale the side of a mountain, but it's going to take trial and error and you're going to have to be paying really close attention because like, maybe I got to go find a spot where I can take a break so I can continue traveling up. Right. And I don't think that there's like an issue with this coming to combat because if you can't fight from that position, the, the risk benefit analysis is I am risking being attackable and knocked off of this and potentially dying. If I choose to climb in sieges, that would be important too. I, I can go climb and scale the wall potentially, uh, but they also could shoot me right off that damn thing, you know? And uh, I'm not gonna be able to really mitigate it, right? And then things like dodge and parry and and blocking uh, stats are gonna be completely unavailable because you don't even have like footing, right? Potentially. Um, so yeah, I don't really have an issue with being able to climb. I just think you shouldn't be like endlessly because then it doesn't feel realistic and it kind of seems a little ridiculous. Um, so if I want to scale a tree to do it, Armored Cell's talking about, maybe I can't get all the way to the top, but maybe I can go up to a branch, scale up to another branch, maybe scale up to another branch. What's the risk? Someone could cut it down while I'm up there. I could be potentially targetable while I'm up there. So these things in me, if they do it right and they build in those sort of like counterweights to it, not an issue, right? So that's kind of my perspective on it all. Um, and yeah, in regard to the other two components too. I could add more gathering uh, opportunities Ooh. as well. For example, getting eggs from the, from the trees, That'd climbing cool. up mountains to get certain flowers. Like, yeah, certain hard like can you have like rare flowers growing in like hard to reach places, and yeah. it's like a parkour to get up to it. Yeah, or like honey or like, something, yeah. maybe yeah. up there too. Yeah, from a beehive. Like you hear, or it's hear something like cartoons where it's like, oh, I have to go up to this high mountain and this. On the south side of the mountain where the sun rises, there's a yeah. uh, crimson flower that grows that will cure this ailment. So I have to go to go up there and get it. Like these sort of things where you might have to do like parkour to get these certain flowers or ingredients or alchemical components could be fun. Yeah. So that's why a little bit of parkour. I, I do like the idea of parkour. Yeah, I do too. Like, I, they did try and introduce a little bit of that in um, Alpha One, I believe, because I remember you see, seeing some of your playtests. 
you know, like jumping across some rocks and stuff. Yeah, and, the jump puzzle stuff. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, you know, they get done with that and they go, oh, we're in UE5 now. And then you see them walk up a little bit. I remember early on, people were like, are we going to actually be able to like scale and do parkour? And originally they were like, no, because UE4. But UE5 has that tool to where you can actually, I mean, that's mm. like a part of it, you know? So they could add it in. I don't know. I think limitations are important. Counterweights and balances. As long as there's like a risk, you know, like cost risk sort of like thing. Like, hey, you could like get away with some crazy stuff, but like there's also a risk with that. So that player agency component is still, you know, at the core. I think as long as they, as long as they adhere to those game pillars, right? And stay true to that. You don't deviate. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's important. And you don't go back on what you said you'd never do. You know, I mean, for example, if you're like, we're never going to have stun locking, right? Diminishing returns are a thing. Okay, great. Then one day, if stun locking is a thing, you should be like, mm, clearly we need to fix this and then do it. Yeah. So you never like betrayed your people. So, yeah, that's it. That's the, that's our, that's our show today, gentlemen. That's it right there. We've gotten wrapped up on everything. We hit on some of those points next week. Gotta be fun because we're going to actually be up on. Ooh, I think, I think they're end of the month. Devstream will probably be the 27th of January. And then we'll probably have the 29th that we'll do our, our follow up on that. So we got a couple weeks ahead in January on Sundays to actually have some discussions around some other things. Um, and I've got a couple ideas. So stay tuned for obviously the next show, obviously being here, you just don't miss the stuff you miss. If you're watching on YouTube or catching it, uh, in audio format in the podcast places. But if you have any final thoughts, gentlemen, now's the time to chime in anything. Uh, no, I mean, I think I covered all my, my stuff. This, this one. Sweet. Yeah, I'm in the grants. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, if that's the case, we are going to be catching everybody for episode 208 next Sunday. Same Pathfinder time, same Pathfinder channel right here uh, mm-hmm. for episode 208. Gentlemen, why don't we let you go on ahead and shout out your domains where you're at when you're not on the show so people can find you, Daedalus. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Ashen Herald. And Armored Cell. And you can find me on uh, Twitch at uh, twitch.tv forward slash Ahmed Cell. Yeah, and friends, like, we might be at the end of today's show, but got to remind all of you, whether you listen to the podcast, you watch it over on YouTube, um, you know, whatever the case might be, if you, you listen to it, remember, you don't have to be on the show to be a Pathfinder. It's literally all of you that are part of the journey with us. So much love to all of you. Much love to Intrepid Studios. And until next week, live your best lives, walk in the light. And friends, we're going to see you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night.